Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler, how much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary. They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, Show me, in a courtroom, how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now. M-S-W Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, June 13th, 2023. Today, Donald Trump and Walt Nada will be arraigned on 38 felony charges in Miami at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. A press coalition has petitioned the court to allow audio and video recordings in the federal Trump proceedings. The Department of Justice seeks 14 years in prison for the January 6th rioter who drove a stun gun into Officer Mike Fanone's neck. Senator Blumenthal has launched a probe into the Live PGA merger. And Jacob Wool and Jack Berkman are hit with a $5.1 million FCC fine. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Welcome back from your travels, my world. Well, I know you're still traveling, but welcome back to a place where you can record from, my friend. Thank you. Yeah. Last Thursday when I took the night, I was on stage at Lambda Legal uh, raising a shit ton of money. And the funniest thing happened is that I was basically telling a joke about how like Stormy Daniels, thanks for taking one inch for the team. Got the first indictment. <laughs> and then I was like, Bonnie Willis, it's a, it's your turn next. And then we went to a dinner break. And during the dinner break, everyone's phones exploded because he got indicted by the DOJ. 
<laughs> I wonder how many dollars went to Lambda Legal that night because that indictment broke right then. Like, and then you you guys talked about it. Your work with them is just so amazing, my friend. Thank and you. Thank you for doing that and, and, and helping raise all that money for Lambda Legal. Such an important organization, especially in the times we're in. My goodness, indeed. So, yeah, I haven't talked to you here on the pod since that whole thing went down. It was sort of a hair on fire day. You know, Andy and I recorded the Jack podcast in full. And at the very end, we're like, there are... Uh, federal charges, but we're not going to get to see him <laughs> until Tuesday. So then we came back and recorded a whole second episode, a little, a lot shorter, but we go over the indictment. So there were two episodes of Jack on Sunday, including the indictment and then the unsealing bonus episode. But all of them are free if even you don't have to be a patron to listen. Um, so check those out. But man, what, what an absolutely bananas news weekend it's been since then. Oh, absolutely. And the unsealing, reading all of that, and just obviously the 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 photo of where he kept the boxes in Mar-a-Lago going, <laughs> at least some of the boxes going viral was just hysterical. But in and of itself, this is obviously very serious that he had nuclear, yeah. like military positions. Maps. And- yeah. And, and um, weaknesses in different, different countries about their military. Like, this is scary shit. And obviously we don't know what's been photocopied, who he sold it to, any of that stuff. And so it's a serious situation, but my God, he's a tacky motherfucker, isn't he? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had a, a long discussion about that while you were gone on the pod yesterday. Like, look, I understand people are, this is sober and serious. You shouldn't be celebrating. And to that, I say, no, you can understand the seriousness of it and the terribleness of it and the 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 threat it poses to national security and our military and our intelligence partners and our own intelligence community and our own sources and methods while also celebrating the rule of law. Absolutely. In this country. So 100% I agree. So that is worth a cheers to me. But anyway, law enforcement is ramping up down in, in Miami after violent rhetoric from GOP members like Carrie Lake and Mandy Biggs. And Trump himself, other members of Congress on the Republican side. Did you just call him Mandy, which is hysterical? Did you say Mandy Biggs? Is that a person? Oh. (laughs) We're not editing that at all. I think his name should be Mandy Biggs. Like, I'm not misgendering someone, but when you said that, I was like, is it Andy? Let's go with Mandy. I think I was like, "Mm, Mandy Biggs, you know, like a... That's what it is. Like a little thought process. Also, people were wondering what's going on with Walt Nada. He's going to be there, too, for the arraignment, standing next to his pal, Donald. And, you know, I think the important thing that we have to realize here and the thing that separates this from what happened with classified documents with the former Vice President Pence or with with current President Joe Biden is that this wouldn't have been charged. This whole indictment, and I, I assume everybody who's listened to this has read it or at least listened to Ali Velshi read it to you. The whole thing is because they played musical boxes with law enforcement. Right. That's it. Had Trump turned over everything to NARA or even pursuant to that subpoena from the the first subpoena from the Department of Justice, we wouldn't be here because there's nothing about dissemination charged. So if not for musical boxes and trying to hide and lie and obfuscate and lie and mislead his own lawyers and all that obstruction, we wouldn't have this indictment. So that's it's worth noting that I think mock sentencing guidelines are up. We're going to go over that on the next episode of Jack, where our guest this weekend will be former general counsel of the CIA, Brian Greer. 
He goes by Secrets and Laws on Twitter. We're going to talk about CIPA, C-I-P-A, and how to try cases that have sent that are about and have it contain sensitive information and national defense information. Because as you know, classification is a red herring. Doesn't matter if he declassified with them with his mind. National defense information, government documents that belong to the government. If you're a private citizen, you cannot own them and then you cannot hide them and play musical boxes to keep them from the government. You just not aren't you aren't allowed to do that. It's illegal. All right. We have a lot of news to get to today. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. First up, this is from a federal court filing. A coalition of news and press outlets have filed a motion regarding the arraignment of Donald John Trump. Here's some excerpts. As the court is aware, this is the first federal indictment ever brought against the former president of the United States. The American public's interest in this case is beyond exaggeration. As the Honorable Magistrate Judge Bruce E. Reinhardt explained when unsealing documents related to the FBI's search warrant for documents at Mar-a-Lago, this case presents issues of an unprecedented and intense public and historical interest. So that's not the press outlet saying that. That's Judge Reinhardt. Now, they go on to say, Magistrate Judge Reinhardt further aptly noted that it is a foundational principle of American law that judicial proceedings should be open to the public, unquote. Considering the exceptional and historic nature of this case, the press coalition respectfully makes the following two requests. First, we request that the court permit a limited number of photographs and video recordings in the courtroom and or outside the corridor before the arraignment currently set for 3 p.m. today, Tuesday, June 13th. While this request seeks relief not permitted in ordinary cases, local rule 77-1 provides judicial discretion to permit limited photographs during special proceedings as approved by a judge of this court, unquote. And the special and historic nature of this case warrants that, at the very least, a limited non-disruptive visual record before the hearing begins. Second, the second thing we want, we ask the court immediately following the arraignment tomorrow and in future proceedings in this case, release to the public the recordings that will be made within the court's own audio recording technology. The unprecedented and historic nature of these proceedings warrants same-day access to these recordings. And they cite a bunch of case law and instances where this has been the case. And they go on to say District of Columbia Circuit Court, Third Circuit Court of Appeals, Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals, Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals, Federal Circuit Court of Appeals, among others, place same-day audio of oral arguments and hearings online. In high-profile cases, the U.S. Supreme Court frequently releases same-day or soon thereafter audio recordings of proceedings. And in the interest of speed and accuracy, some courts will even live-stream high-profile proceedings. And again, you're like, what fucking case could be more high-profile than this one. Like, if we've done it for other cases, hey, this is a case of exceptional public interest to the entire country and beyond. The judiciary's dedication to open and transparent court takes on added significance in historical proceedings such as this, where the public demands full and complete knowledge of what transpired to understand the government's decision to exercise its prosecutorial power over Mr. Trump. The need for immediate audio recordings is further heightened by the tense political atmospherics of the case. Because Trump has alleged that this entire case is an illegitimate witch hunt, the actions of the judiciary, prosecution, and defense, they will receive exceptional scrutiny, and any informational vacuum will be filled with wild speculation and conjecture. Complete transparency in the form of swift available audio recordings will both ensure the integrity and legitimacy of the case and keep Americans informed about this critically important matter. And that's so important to say, if you, any silence will leave a vacuum for conspiracy. And I agree with this. And I'd also like to add during COVID, all the courts live stream because of public interest and reporters didn't have early access to these release recordings. But 
Many, like Lawrence Tribe, are calling for live streaming video of the proceedings for these reasons stated above. We'll see what the court decides. If it's Eileen Cannon's decision, I assume she'll deny it, but that could be appealed to the conservative 11th Circuit. And even though they've ruled against her before and overturned two of her shit decisions in the past, I'm not sure how they rule now. Chief Justice John Roberts could forestall it all by asking the court to just live stream the proceedings. It's going to be absolutely helpful to the faith in the judiciary, given the judge assigned to the case. And AG, just quickly, not to take up too much time, I know everyone's freaked out about Aileen Cannon getting this case. You've already addressed this on several other places and occasions. I'm just... And we did yesterday as well. Mm -hmm. Right. And I I think we have to remember that this is the first time Trump's actually going to be in person in a courtroom, right, in front of her. So this is one of those things that I I could see happening of like, if Aileen Cannon actually does her job and upholds the Constitution and, and does what she's supposed to, I could see Trump turning on her publicly into social and something else that puts her in jeopardy. And she's like, fuck this. I'm not going down for this guy, but we'll see. Yeah. And and there was some plausible deniability for her in the last proceedings, right. the previous proceedings, because she didn't read the affidavit, the search warrant affidavit. Now she will not be able to not read these things because they will be briefed to her. Uh, And there will be separate hearings and meetings, and we're going to go over that with the SIPA proceedings, about the evidence in the case. So she won't be able to bury her head in the sand. And, you know, there's these things are always appealable. But in my opinion, I think just Jack Smith is like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's make it as as favorable to Donald Trump as we possibly can and still nail him to the wall. Absolutely. And I love it. I love it. All right. This is from Charlene Richards at NBC News. Well, the Federal Communications Commission, they announced this week that they will serve a $5.1 million fine against conservative, <laughs> I know, if this isn't schadenfreude, I don't know what is, against conservative activists Jake Berkman and Jacob Wool, those two pieces of shit, and J.M. Berkman and Associates over their role in making over 1,100 unlawful robocalls before the 2020 election. The FCC said the robocalls were made from August 26th to September 14th of 2020 in New York, Ohio, Michigan, and some other states. And that's according to state prosecutors who said the scheme was an attempt to suppress the black vote in run up to the presidential election. The calls identified Berkman and Wool, and they told potential voters that if they voted by mail, their, quote, personal information will be part of a public database that will be used by police departments to track down old warrants and be used by credit card companies to collect outstanding debts. Fuck them, by the way. Mm-hmm. Now, Berkman and Wool, who have been involved in a number of attention-grabbing plans involving opponents of the former guy, have since pleaded guilty to one count of telecommunications fraud. They were sentenced to community service. That entails registering voters in minority and low-income communities. That's according to the FCC. So they had a little bit of time they had to put in there. And this is a quote. This penalty emphasizes the seriousness with which we take our obligations to protect American consumers and, in this instance, American voters from being targeted through the clear and illegal misuse of U.S. communications networks. That's from the FCC Enforcement Chief Lowen A. Eagle said in a news release. Went on to say, we commend our law enforcement partners for bringing Berkman and Wool to justice for their actions, and we will continue our efforts to make it clear that there are significant consequences for engaging in this type of conduct. Well, the FCC unanimously agreed to impose this fine, which at the time it was proposed was the largest it had ever proposed for a violation of the Telephone Consumer Protection Act. Hmm. A detailed investigation by the FCC's Enforcement Bureau found that robocalls to consumers' wireless phones were they were pre-recorded and conducted without prior consent. Those are two things that are very important, obviously, in this case. In response to the FCC's proposed fine back in 2021, 
Berkman and Wool argued that the dialing companies they hired to make the calls were responsible for alleged violations, and they argued that the political robocalls were exempt from the Telephone Consumer Protection Act restrictions. Mm. Clearly, both not true. No, you lose $5.1 million. Maybe you can, you know, raise your $5 million uh, by selling some of the pillow man's pillows, who also owes $5 million to somebody who called this shit out. Yeah. And then Trump owes $5 million. It's like the magic number for assholes who do wrong shit. Next up from Ryan Riley at NBC, federal prosecutors are seeking 14 years in prison for a violent rioter who his lawyers say idolized Donald Trump and thought the former president was like his dad, a dad he never had. Oh, dear. Daniel DJ Rodriguez pled guilty in February, admitting he battled law enforcement officers on the steps of the Capitol and tased former D.C. Metropolitan Police Officer Mike Fanone in the neck before storming the building and smashing out a window. Just a tourist visit. The government, in a sentencing memo filed late Friday, sought 168 months in federal prison and a $98,000 restitution payment, $99,000 almost, saying that Rodriguez's crimes were acts of terrorism that deserved an upward departure from the sentencing guidelines. Judge Amy Berman Jackson (laughs) will sentence Rodriguez on June 21st. It's Judge Jackson if you're nasty. Oh, yeah. Rodriguez. His defense attorneys wrote in a separate sentencing memo, struggled to find a place where he felt he truly belonged and found a cause that gave his life meaning when he became part of the Make America Great Again movement in California. Rodriguez saw Trump as the father figure and leader that he never had in his life, with his attorneys writing that he trusted Trump blindly and admired Trump so much that he referred to Trump as dad in messages he sent to Patriots 45 MAGA gang on Telegram. It was Rodriguez's unwavering belief in the words of the former guy that drove him to lose all sense of right and wrong and led him to take part in the tragic actions that unfolded in D.C. on the 6th. They're seeking a sentence of just five years in prison for him, the defense attorneys, his attorneys. They go on to say, Rodriguez, who grew up without a father and who never completed high school, was someone who believed the former president's lies because Rodriguez deeply respected and idolized Trump. They wrote of Rodriguez, who they say held low-level employment in retail factories for 20 years, that he believed Trump was someone to be admired, a multimillionaire who graduated from Wharton Business School with his name massively displayed in gold on buildings across the United States. Rodriguez, who called himself so stupid and a fucking piece of shit in an interview with the FBI following his arrest, also denigrated his own intelligence in a letter to Fanon filed in court. Fanon, by the way, has called him a moron who was manipulated by Donald Trump. He said, I wish I was smarter in the letter to Fanon. I want to apologize to your children as well. If I could go back and change what I did, I would. I hope it makes you feel better that I'm going through a very tough time in jail. Oof. Hmm. Fuck you. Yeah. Rodriguez says, yeah, I hope you feel better. Like, what? Rodriguez has been held in custody for more than two years since his arrest in March 2021, which came about a month after he was named in a Huffington Post story following his identification by online sleuths and anti-fascist activists in the L.A. area. Jackson has sentenced at least two other defendants in connection with the assault on Fanon, giving Kyle Young, an HVAC worker from Iowa, more than seven years in federal prison in September, and giving Albuquerque Head of Tennessee 7.5 years in federal prison in October. I know. Rodriguez was indicted alongside two co-defendants, Ed Bedalian and a man known to online sleuths as Swedish Scarf. I love the nicknames they, they give these guys. Pink Beret, Swedish Scarf. Medallion was convicted on most charges in April and will be sentenced in mid-July, while Swedish Scarf, whose name has been redacted in court documents, but whose identity is known to the FBI, is believed to have fled the country. Good Lord. Thank you, AG. Last one in this segment. This is from The Times. Well, it seems the PGA Tour and Live Golf 
have not yet closed that stunning partnership agreement announced only last week, but vows from Washington to slow or stop the deal, or at least make it uncomfortable for golf executives, crystallized on Monday, okay, when the Senate opened an inquiry into this agreement. So they are looking into this. Senator Richard Blumenthal, who, as we know, is a Democrat of Connecticut and the chairman of the Chamber's Permanent Subcommittee on Investigations, said Monday that he had demanded that both PGA Tour and the Saudi Arabian-funded LIV give up a wide array of documents and communications tied to the agreement. Blumenthal also asked for records related to the PGA Tour's nonprofit status, suggesting an Ooh. appetite to challenge the tour's tax-exempt status. Mm. Yep. In a statement issued three days before the start of the U.S. Open in Los Angeles, Blumenthal decried Saudi Arabia's, quote, deeply disturbing human rights record at home and abroad and said the agreement raised concerns, again, quote, about the Saudi government's role in influencing this effort and the risk posed by a foreign government's entity assuming control over a cherished American institution. End quote. They've declined to comment on Monday. In a statement on Monday afternoon, the PGA Tour said it was confident that once Congress learns more about how the PGA Tour will control this new venture, they will understand the opportunities this will create for our players, our communities, our sport, all while protecting an American golf institution. Okay. Congress cannot block the agreement simply by opening an investigation, and any legislation to derail the deal would almost certainly provoke a court challenge. But congressional scrutiny and perhaps public hearings could tarnish the deal and make the months ahead even more unpleasant for the leaders of professional golf. Blumenthal has shown a willingness to spar with sports executives. Lately, he's pressed American universities for information about their sports betting partnerships. He's also lashed the NCAA leadership for years over conditions for college athletes. Now, although the planned deal has caused some heartburn, if they, as they say, and saber-rattling on Capitol Hill, Congress has not shown unanimous interest in uh, haranguing golf leaders over it. Ron Johnson, for example, the Wisconsin Republican, who's the ranking minority member of the panel that Blumenthal chairs, said last week that Congress should just stay out of sports. <laughs> yeah, I know. The PGA's tournament with the Saudi Public Investment Fund, whose live circuit made its debut last year, would bring the business dealings of the rival tours into a new company. The PGA Tour Commissioner, Jay Monahan, he's in line to serve as its chief executive. And Yasir Aramayan, the Wealth Fund's governor, he's going to be its chairman. Weird. Under the terms of agreement, the Saudi Wealth Fund will have exclusive rights to invest in the new company, positioning it for significant influence over golf's financial future. PGA Tour officials have insisted to widespread doubts that they will be the ultimate decision makers because their allies will hold a majority of the new company's board seats. What? Yeah, professional golf attracted the gaze of Washington regulators before last week's announcement. Antitrust investigators from the Justice Department have spent months asking questions about the tour's efforts to deter player defections, to live, and examining whether the tour's top leaders were too close to other prominent golf organizations like Augusta National Golf Club, the organizer of the Masters Tournament. So hmm. they're questioning a lot of relationships now. The department has brought no public allegations of wrongdoing and has not commented on last week's announcement of a deal. But the antitrust experts have warned that the department is virtually certain to study it closely and may even step in to try and block it. Well, tour executives have expressed confidence that the agreement will withstand any legal challenges. It's just really shitty. Yeah. And keep in mind, Jack Smith, the special counsel who just indicted Donald in the documents case, as part of that documents case, he subpoenaed information about the Live Golf Tournament and 
all the real estate deals Donald had done in seven countries that probably also are investing through the Saudi Wealth Fund <laughs> to this golf tournament. Now, there, none of that showed up in the indictment, but that doesn't mean it wasn't handed off to someone else. So we don't know. All right, everybody, we've got a lot of good news to get to today. So we'll be right back. Stick around. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Good news. Good and if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, what the mutt, what the heck wine, shout out to a loved one, shout out to a local business, shout out to an adoptable pet in your area, shit kids say, shit you say, anything you want to send to us, frog orgies, babies, whatever it is, dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. All right, Dana, you kick us off today. I will be happy to. This one is from Terry, pronouns she and her. I'm a bereaved mom of the opioid em- epidemic and have really been in deep in my grief lately. Mm. Terry, sending you very much love, even from that first Same. sentence. While driving to work yesterday, I sent a message to my daughter to send me happy memories. Just an hour later, I was amazed to hear Dana mention she attended Hummingbird Music Camp. <gasps> as my daughter attended Hummingbird Music Art Camp for several years. Um, just hummingbird art camp it was the same camp it was this is me interjecting it was just they they did the art part later after the music ended she went on to say i believe it sparked her interest in art which led her to attend and matriculate from the school of the art institute in chicago oh wow after listening to the podcast and still deep in my memories i took a walk a dragonfly swooped down and hovered nearby for a few seconds dragonflies have appeared to me at times of Intense grief or when thinking of my daughter. It said that they are linked between this world and the spirit world. Thank you, Dana, for the beautiful memory. That brought a smile to my heart. Oh my gosh. Terry, I'm sending you so much love. It's so... The connections between us, even though the world is so big, it's amazing how small they are sometimes. And I'm I'm just so I'm so grateful. I, I'm I'm glad you got a little peace and solace that day. I'm sending you so much love. Yeah, and Terry, I, I want you to know. I've now every time I see a dragonfly, I'm going to think of you and your amazing daughter. Oh man! Oh my goodness! Thank you for that submission. All right, next up from Aditi, pronoun she and her. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. One Sunday evening, my son and I were at a concert in New York City where I spotted someone who I could have sworn was our very own Dana. This is what I, tra- I was telling you about the other day at the <laughs> Indigo Girls concert in New York. Oh, my God. I tried to Google an image, but there was almost no signal there. So instead, I took a creepy photo and texted it to my friend to Google for me. I didn't know that part. <laughs> <laughs> my friend did not reply, and I kept looking and telling my son, I'm sure that's Dana Goldberg. Finally, he was like, Mama, just go say hi already. So I went over and I said, hi, Dana. And Dana said, yes. And then for some reason, I felt compelled to clarify further. Dana Goldberg? <laughs> <laughs> and Dana very nicely said, yes. Then we did some excited hugging and Dana's friend offered to take a photo of us together. It was the biggest thrill ever to meet one of my favorite podcasters and activists and funny people. Fellow listeners, Dana is even more beautiful in person. Aww. And she's absolutely lovely and will make you feel like a million bucks if you go say hi. Aditi, thank you. <laughs> AG, we both agreed that you are absolutely brilliant and you do amazing works. Leave me out of this. It's true. It. Nope, it's true. Dana, it was so wonderful to meet you and to hear you pronounce my name perfectly. I hope you enjoyed the Indigo Girls as much as we did. The, the Indigo Girls are... I know. It's fucking awesome. 
I also loved your shout out on the pod. I sent that episode to all my friends and you might have new listeners now. I'm attaching the photo of us together and the requisite pod pet tax of Katie and Mimi. And while I'm at it, a correction to a correction. Ramaswamy was good, but Vivek rhymes more with bake than heck. Vivek. Hmm, all right. Uh-huh. And there's an equal emphasis on both syllables. This is a general rule of thumb in many Indian names. And often the emphasis is on the first syllable, since we have a lot of schwa sounds on second syllables. Thank you, thank you for all the hard work you and the team put into this show every single day. Oh my God, look at this. Okay, Aditi and I say this with Jess, but look at this stalker photo. That is impressive. (laughs) That gushy got your face and every like... And then she sent it to someone and was like, Google this image. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that photo. I didn't know how the photo turned out. It looks amazing. Oh, so sweet. And then the pet tax. Aditi, what a cool story. Okay. Thank you for sending Aditi, I love that you wrote in. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Is it, I'm sorry, is it Aditi? Aditi. Got it. Yes. Yeah. As I correct you, Aditi. (laughs) Uh, This is from Janine B, pronoun she and her. Hi there. I'm a proud dog auntie and just had to share pics of my sweet nephew, Boo. It might be fair to say I'm obsessed with him. He has a heart of gold, adores everyone, and never passes up a chance to potty. P-A-W-T-Y. <laughs> Though don't turn your back on him or he might just steal your sandwich. No pickles, please. <laughs> Drink your coffee or enjoy a sip of your wine. An avid lover of fashion, he printed... Sh- this is the best, by the way, if your dog ever needs to go on a dating app. An avid lover of fashion, his printed shirt collection is the envy of all his pals and has all the chicks wagging after him. <laughs> his favorite color is lime green, he says, because it's the opposite of orange. I hate anything orange. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love that you wrote this in the sense of that it was going on an app. Thank you for all you do. Boo says thanks, too. And this dog is adorable. Yes, I love, by the way, the model-esque introduction from Janine. Look at this baby. Oh. And adorable, equally adorable, whether whether the pup has the cutest haircut or not, like just equally adorable. All right, next up from Anonymous, pronouns he and him. Good news. It's not cancer. It's a bruised pelvic kidney. Oh my Woo-hoo! God. And thank God. Now I recently had my body check engine light come on i.e. unexpected blood in a bowel after a battery of scans. Turns out I have a pelvic kidney and my 50-pound parkour floof had bruised it, launching himself from the floor onto me in the bed. Picture of the 50-pound parkour floof included for pet tax. No need to guess. He's an Australian Labradoodle. Twice the size he's supposed to be, but we love him. <laughs> look at the baby. I cannot believe. And look at that sweet baby, though, that he bruised your kidney. That last picture looks like a bruiser. Oh, man. Well, what good news. I'm glad you got that diagnosis. Me too. All right. This is from Brie, like the cheese. (laughs) Hi. Mm. Hi, Brie, like the cheese, pronoun she and her. Good day, Beanie Queenies. I'm a longtime listener since the kitchen table days, and I have some good news to share. I just got back from an amazing queer women filled weekend at an event called Girls in Wonderland in Orlando. Brie, I love that you went to Girls in Wonderland. I Mm -hmm. performed there a while ago at the House of Blues with Leisha Haley and her band, by the way, when she was out touring. Anyway, love that you went. It's the largest queer women's weekend in the nation, and it coincides with Gay Days at Disney. My best friend and I have never gone before, and we thought this was as good a year as any to show our support for the LGBTQ plus events in Florida. We're both queer women, and our partners are trans men. Fucking love that, too. DeSantis can try to legislate us out of the state, but we will fight back. 
The best way to combat the vitriol of the right wing is to keep supporting LGBTQ plus events. We are here and we are queer. Thank you, Dana, for being such a rainbow beacon for everyone, but especially for queer women trying to thrive. And thank you, AG, for keeping us up to date and the news without inducing panic. (laughs) I appreciate everything y'all do. And maybe you'll join me next year at Girls in Wonderland. I'm trying to get rebooked. I've shared a picture uh, for my weekend shenanigans for Pod Pet Tax. I included my two boys. Oh, gosh. Uh, Beauregard, Beauregard, Beauregard Alexander. Alexander, the cat, and Oswald Theodore, the dog. They're both <laughs> the biggest and goofiest lover boys ever. Keep up the wonderful work that you both do, and thank you again. Oh, my gosh. Bree, thanks for writing in. I love that you went to Girls in Wonderland. It's it's sort of like, for those listening, I don't know if this is going to make sense to anyone, it's the East Coast Dinosaur, if you will. It's a I was going to say Dinosaur. Yeah, yeah, it's a massive event. Yeah, and anyone who listens who knows anybody that books for Girls in Wonderland. Oh, I got her. You let us know. I got her on speed dial. I was supposed to do it the year that <laughs> the world shut down. Yeah, oh, I was, yeah. I was booked in 2020, and then the, the, the pandemic hit, and everything closed down. So I'll reach back out to Allison. <laughs> look, look at the dog nap with the ear flop. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Great photos. Oh, man. Okay, so Florida has a dinosaur. That's so amazing. Girls in Wonderland. Yep. Thank you for that submission. All right, Cindy B, pronoun she and her. My good news is that my Abby dog, Border Collie Poodle, and I have started agility classes. I'm 73 and she's eight. So That's it's awesome. now or never. <laughs> yeah, <it's amazing. laughs> We've been to three of the eight class sessions. We both love it. When I tell her it's time for school, she runs to the door with her tail wagging. I have seemingly unsolvable chronic pain issues, and it's Abby that keeps me going and always makes me smile. BT dubs, about dogs that love to cuddle. Abby can't get enough. Our last dog could barely endure a pat on the head without a pained glance at you that said, I hope you're finished. <laughs> Look at this beautiful baby. Oh, sweet baby indeed. I love it. Oh Agility classes. I love doodle mixes, like poodles, labradoodles, border collie yeah. mixes with poodles. They're so damn cute. Anything oodle is pretty great. Yeah, lots of oodles. What an amazing good news segment today. Thank you, everybody, for sending in your stuff. And please feel free to send us whatever you want to send us at dailybeanspod.com and just click on contact. Dana, do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here today? No final thoughts this time. All right. Other than, you know, we fucking did it. Um, He's indicted federally. I mean, he's already been indicted. So we're going to keep keep an eye on that for you on all of the different shows that are on this uh, MSW Media Network. But uh, Dana and I will be back tomorrow in your ears. So until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. And please take everyone you know with you. Everyone. Ohio, you have a special election coming up. My eyes on you, Ohio. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane, with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I 
step off the plane and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler, how much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary. They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, Show me, in a courtroom, how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.